You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to Strange Familiars. I'm doing well. (laughs) Ah, nice. (laughs) Very nice. Good to hear, though, Allison. (laughs) I'm glad you're doing well. And thank you for not making me ask for once. (laughs) Hey, everybody. I did a comic book cover. That comic book cover has Mothman on it. It's for a comic called Department of Truth, which you've heard John and Sam from Riverbend come on and talk about a couple times on the show. It's a comic about paranormal stuff. I did a variant cover for it. You can only get it through Riverbend. So you want to pre-order that and make sure you get one. It's at riverbendcomics.com, Department of Truth 15. There are options there if you want to get like a version with the trading card and signed options and and stuff like that. You can check it all out at riverbendcomics.com, Department of Truth 15 variant cover by yours truly. Do you think anybody ever signs things yours fakely? (laughs) Or is that just the internet? Chad and I have been making the rounds doing some interviews. You could hear us on Where Did the Road Go and Six Degrees of John Keel upcoming. I think the Where Did the Road Go episode is out. Six Degrees of John Keel is forthcoming, and we're talking about the Witch Cloud, which serves the Strange Familiars episode 300. You can get it at stonebreath.bandcamp.com. Look for the Witch Cloud. Speaking of witches, we also made the Witch Mother episode available there as well. Patrons get that for free. That's a patron episode. But some of these ballad shows, because they're music-related, we're going to make them available to purchase on Bandcamp as well. However, it's actually more expensive than just becoming a patron. If you're a patron, you get the shows for free. You get the download of the song anyway. 
But for those who maybe just want that episode, that's available at Bandcamp as well. You can check out stonebreath.bandcamp.com for the Witch Cloud, the Witch Mother, and the first ballad show we did, Rannerdyne. So on tonight's show, we'll be talking with Bill, who has this memory of red glowing eyes in his, in his bedroom. I've got one of those. <laughs> he thought for years was an owl outside his bedroom, but then he realized at some point it had to have been inside the bedroom. There's no way he could have seen outside his window. Bill also has some family stories, including this story about this goat head that chased his dad. He's got a story of a UFO and some ghost stuff as well. So without further ado, let's get to Bill's stories. All right, tonight we're talking with Bill, who's got some experiences to share with us. I'm especially excited to get this story about the red eyes looking through your window, but where do you want to start? Well, that's the earliest one that I can remember, so we'll start there. Sounds good. So I, I don't quite remember how old I was. I was old enough to be able to talk, but I was still in a crib. So I would wake up screaming in the middle of the night. The way my mom describes it, she said I would tell her that it was an owl with red eyes in my window. Just the other day, I was talking to her about it, and I got to thinking, and with my curtains, there was, there'd be no way that this thing could be in my window, so it had to be in the room, is the only thing I could come up with. Oh, wow. But I described it as an owl, and this went on for years, the, the whole time that I was in that room, so this was before my brother was born, so mid-70s, somewhere in there. But there was all kinds of things that happened in that house to me. It seemed like it was just to me and nobody else. Mm. But other than seeing the red eyes, I don't ever remember them doing anything, right. just them being in the room. Yeah. And, I mean, if you had to guess how many times you saw it, would you? I mean, could you even make a guess at it? Uh, probably every night. Oh, wow. Probably close to a year. Wow. Okay. It never did anything that I can remember. And the other thing I thought about was strange is I could, I can remember seeing myself in the crib and seeing my mom standing in the door asking me what I was crying about. I don't think that happened all the time, but I do have that strange memory. Like seeing from above or what? Yeah, like looking from behind. So I'll be standing in the crib holding on to the rail crying. And I can see myself crying and I can see my mom standing in the door. And my room wasn't that big. It was, it was you know, a rancher. It was like a 10 by 10 bedroom. Mm-hmm. So um, that is kind of weird. Yeah, that's interesting. And I assume you, you're familiar with all the, the connections between you know, owls and the paranormal in general. Um, you had sent me that, um, I can't remember what it's called now, like the spirit owl. Mm -hmm. or Yeah, 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 yeah the, the owl witch thing, the uh, Lechuza. Yeah. 
but that's the only thing that I had looked up that you had sent me. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's a there's a hearty connection between owls and and the paranormal, and I mean, I hesitate to make suggestions because, like, I don't want to pollute your memories in a sense. You know what I mean? But, yeah. But if if you were to dig, you might find some very very interesting things in terms of owls and and these uh, bedroom visitors, say. And I'll jump forward. I can go back, but later on, as a teenager. A friend of mine and his brothers. So they were visiting. They didn't live in the same town I did, but they were visiting a relative that lived in the town that I did. And um, they said they were outside one night and they saw it looked like a man with red eyes in the woodshed. And they started throwing rocks at it and ran back in the house. But it wasn't until that time that I had even heard of anybody seeing the red eyes. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to share what town this was, or at least? Yeah, it's fine. Um, It's in Hanover, Virginia. Okay. It's the town is called Montpelier. Okay. Not the Montpelier with James Madison in Orange County. Just another little no stoplight town. Right. right. <laughs> Back when I was growing up there, there was hardly like where I grew up, there was my family was the only family, you know, my aunts and uncles that lived on this one stretch of road. And I pretty much had the roam of about 500 acres around the house because nobody lived there. Right. Yeah. So. And just to be clear, like when you're saying red eyes, you're talking like red glowing eyes. Red glowing eyes. It was just a shadow with red glowing eyes. Yeah. Yeah, not a lot of things have red eyes. Even if we were, like, you know, well, glowing eyes, very few things have glowing eyes. But even if we were saying, like, I shine, um, at least bigger animals on the East Coast, not a lot of big animals have red eye shine. Right. Yeah, none of that I've seen. Yeah, 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 and, and owl, there was owls and my, certainly do not. And my room was always dark. I didn't have night lights or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so I can't imagine any kind of reflection. I didn't even have toys that reflected that right. I can think of. Right. Um, but yeah, that's as a kid, that's the biggest. The I have, I remember that most. That one still sticks out. Yeah. Um, but there was still, a lot of things that happened around do, that area. Do you have a memory of like, of what they looked like or what these, these eyes or this thing looked like still like today? Yeah. Just glowing red eyes. I couldn't tell you how big they were. It just mm-hmm. looked like something, like I said, I thought that was in the window, but thinking back, there would be no way I could see it through the curtain. Right. Right. But you, you, and, I, uh, in other words, what I was getting at is this wasn't just a story that you told your mom you were little and, and they, re, you know, you remember the story or your mom remember the story. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. You I actually re, remember re, seeing it. Yes. I remember seeing the red eyes. Wow. And just a kind of a silhouette outline of whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. And then later on, as a, now I don't remember this, but my mom said that, that I would see, black shadows crawling on my wall. Mm. Those I don't remember. 
but mm-hmm. she was telling me when we were talking about the owl and then she would get mad at me for looking at scary movies, but I never looked at scary movies horror movies or anything like that. So I don't even know where that would have come from. Right. Yeah. That's but very interesting. Coincidence. Yeah. And then after a kid, I don't remember that anymore. Then it, then it changed. And as a, you know, preteen teenager, preteen 12, 13, I can remember like if I was say standing at the sink in the kitchen and it only happened at this one door. So it, it was, it was an old ranch. So it's set up with the kitchen, the dining room. And then you went through a door that a cased opening that went to a hallway and it would feel like something was watching me. So when I turn around, I would see this time it wasn't black, but this was during the day. It never happened at night. It was always a white, no face, just a, like a white head peeking from around the door. And then when I looked at it, it would run down the hall. Hmm. So it was a body white too? Yes. The whole thing was white. All you saw was the head. And when I turned, you know, I turned around to look at it, it was a white head. And as soon as I looked at this thing, it would take off down the hall. Wow. I was terrified of that hall anyway. I had to like turn the lights on, go to the end of the hall, turn the light off, jump in the room. <laughs> so, uh, even as a teenager, I remember do- doing the same in the farmhouse. But those two things are what I can remember in the house. Mm -hmm. During the day, I ran the woods all the time. But at night, it was like, don't go in the woods. There was all kinds of stories, too, from like my aunt and uncle and my dad. Like, um, so when my dad was younger, he was uh, at his sister's house one night and my grandparents' house was probably about 200 yards away. And they told him, they told him, don't go out. There's something out there. And, um, being a little teenager, he was, he, uh, said, there ain't nothing out there that can hurt me. So he leaves to go to his house and he sees a goat head it starts at him. He, he thought it was one of the goats that had gotten out of the pen. And he said, this thing wouldn't leave him alone. And it wanted, it was like trying to butt him. And he grabbed the horns and was jerking it around. And there was no body. What? Oh, that's so, creepy. So, Whenever my friends came over to go camping, they were it, the biggest thing was everybody wanted to see the goat head. Anyway, so when he finally broke free of the goat, because he was trying to decide, do I let this thing go or do, you know, what do I do? And um, he finally decided to just let it go and he ran back toward and fell into the door of the house. And they pretty much said that this thing then came and visited him because he liked to scare everybody. Hmm. So it was paying him back. 
But now, when you said kids would come and camp and say they want to see the goathead, just based on your dad's story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody. We never saw. saw it. We never. You know, we we had the. I always wanted to see the black dog. My aunts and uncles always talked about the black dog with the red eyes. I would stay up late. They called it the Friday night dog. Huh. I don't know if you ever heard that one before. No, no. But I uh, mean, plenty of black dog stories, but not by that name. But it would be a black dog that roamed the road, and it had red eyes. And I never got, you know, we, my friends would come over. We were teenagers, and we would camp out the weekend trying to see this thing. But we never, I never did see it. Was this uh, like associated with a, a certain area? Yeah, right there on our street, right on our road. I don't know if there's, I've never heard of it. Any, you know, I've heard stories of the black dog, mm-hmm. like showing up with the flannel man. Right, right. But I've never seen the flannel man. I did want to see the, the black dog. There was a headless guy. Now, this one, I thought my aunt was just pulling my leg. So she would talk about, like I said, my family lived on this one road. So it was, they would just, and nobody watched TV back then. Everybody just went to everybody's house and they would walk the road. And when her kids, when she had, her kids were younger, she said that this body with no head would follow her from her sister's house. But she would never tell the kids because she didn't want the kids to leave her there. You know, leave, run away. Right, right. So one of my stories from my dad, this was a couple of months ago, he was telling me about it. Him and um, one of his uncles would walk. They were walking to another house at the end of the road, Mrs. Cash. And they had something pacing them on the road and they could hear it. My dad was, you know, they would stop and it would stop. And he said, you would go through like really cold spots and then they'd start up again and they would hear whatever it was pacing them. And the guy always said, never turn around and look at it. So, I don't know if that validates her story, but it like, again, it seems like another coincidence. Right. Right. Was this, you know, this, this road that sounds like your family owned properties along the road. Um, yes. Were those kind of in your family for a long time? Um, late eight, early 1900s. Okay. Yeah. So not terribly long. I'm trying to think of any other stories from there. I have a bunch of them. I would, I didn't. Oh, I have one more story for there. All right. So once again, I didn't see this one and then I'll get to the stories. Some more of mine. Okay. Sure. Um, so my grandfather died and you know, it was a big to do when somebody passed away, everybody would show up at their house, even because we have a family burial ground in the back. And um, my aunt said that she had come out one that night after he had passed. And it was fairly late. And 
this was the first time I'd ever heard of orbs. I've never seen an orb. She said she was sitting on her front porch and looking out at the road and she saw two or three balls of light right at the end of the road. And then she saw another orb, another ball of light fly from my grandfather's house out to, to like meet those other orbs. And then they just took off. Huh? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. That's super interesting. And, and I mean, symbolically, you know, very powerful, obviously your family still own property along this road. Yep. All my aunts and uncles still live there. Yeah, that's that's super interesting. I love these sort of stories that kind of get handed down through the families and stuff. It's really, really interesting. I wonder if the the people that lived on the property before your family, you know, had had similar stories or, or what, you know, it'd be interesting to if if it was possible, you know, to go back. Yeah, I wish I could. The the um I'm still gonna try and get with my aunt and um the one that told all of the stories, she passed away, so I wasn't able to get anything from her. But I wish I could remember them all. My wife just reminded me I did have a, um, I don't think it was sleep paralysis. This is when I had first met my wife or girlfriend at the time. And I guess we were kind of dabbling in some things that we shouldn't be, shouldn't have. <laughs> So I came home late one night, got in bed. And was my, I always made sure, even at 8, 19, 20, I always made sure my closet door was closed just because closets are freaky. Mm-hmm. So I had this dream where the sky, we were in town, and it was, I can't remember who was with me. It was several of my friends, and we were trying to get away from something and we ended up in the house and you know we were all like scared super scared so whatever this thing is it's going to come and get us so it comes through the door and it kind of reminds me of like an egyptian uh what was the one that had the dog head uh anubis anubis but it had wings there was one of those for each one of us and it made us get down on the ground like it was going to decapitate us. And it just kept yelling, who's going to save you now? Who's going to save you now? Wow. And, you know, I'm freaking out and I'm trying to get the words out of my mouth. And it's, you know, all of a sudden I wake up yelling, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. But when, I noticed when I woke up, the closet door was open and my legs were off of my bed past my calves. So I would have had, it was like I pulled straight down. Right. In bed. That, yeah, that was a scary, scary, scary. Nothing like that has ever, ever happened to me before. I I got chills when you told it. That is creepy and when i realized that my i couldn't figure out how my legs were hanging off the bed 
because like I said, it was straight down. Right. Yeah. You don't tend to like, it'd be one thing if you were half off, like you rolled off the side and you were half off or, or something, but straight, yeah. straight down like that. That's an odd way to scoot in your sleep. And it was a, so the, I, it was a sliding door closet. It was, you know, the offset doors, one side slid behind the other. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So between my closet and the bed was only about two feet. And that's that door that was behind the bed had slit was over behind the other. So it was a full, I don't know, probably 30 inch wide. I think it's a 60 inch closet, but like I said, it was crazy. Legs were straight down mm. going into the closet. That was probably the most scary. I woke up. So I lived at the, my parents' farmhouse. I moved rooms all around because I had moved out and I moved back in and stuff. And then my brother had come back from the army and then he moved out again and he had the bigger rooms and I moved in the big rooms. So I've been in, you know, I lived in basically every room in that bedroom in that house at one time or another was my bedroom. But the <laughs> one bedroom had a, a spiral staircase that went up from the kitchen to that bedroom. And then it, it kind of continued again, or a winding staircase, I guess. And it wasn't a full spiral, but kind of like a winding staircase went up from the kitchen to the bedroom. And then another similar staircase went up to the attic. One day I woke up one night, rather I woke up in the middle of the night and that attic door was hanging wide open. And, uh, I had <laughs> from that point on, I had taped it shut because <laughs> it was not happening again. I, yeah. I I had duct tape all around that, and and my my dad came up one night. Like, what what is that for? I was like, uh, insulation, dad. Yeah, I was like yeah, that's never happening again. Yeah, and if it does, I'll know for sure something did do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if it happened after the <coughs> duct tape, then then I'd have been changing rooms again. But uh, it, it yeah. never did happen again. But once was enough. Once was enough. Yeah, I hear you. Fast forward. Uh, this is around two thousand one. So the wife and I, we bought a house that was further out in the country. We lived about a mile back in the woods. I only have two stories from this house. So I was out in the back. We had like 30 acres. I was out in the back hunting one day. And I kept hearing something following me. I stopped, it would stop. And so back there was like a, it was a hardwood thicket with a head, uh, bush hog trails in it. So they're like 60 inches wide. Mm-hmm. And I was walking down the one trail that was close to the house. And I started to get like really nervous. And so I stopped the footstep, the sound stopped. And then when I turned around, all I saw was the back end of a black, I'm guessing coyote um, or whatever it was because it disappeared. Hmm. So it had the bushy tail, but it was jet black. It ran into the weeds and then it circled and came in front of me. Did you see it a second time then? I did not. Okay. And so I, shot off a couple of times just to see what this thing was Mm -hmm. and nothing ever ran anywhere. Nothing ever moved. When I walked to where the sound was, there was nothing, no tracks, no 
disturbed leaves, nothing. So that was another weird one for that. That is. So so you hear something kind of pacing you or, or, or walking behind you, I guess. You finally see it, you know, you turn around and you see it. And um, is that comforting that you finally see it? You finally know what it was or was it? No, because it circled me and that made it a whole lot worse. Yeah. Because it felt, you know, the hunters being hunted by what? (laughs) Yeah. I can only imagine what you would feel like to see a Bigfoot. I still want to see one, but I can only imagine. Yeah. Was it about coyote size? Whatever this was? Um, it was, yeah, German Shepherd size. Okay. So, yeah, that'd be a big for a coyote, but within, within yeah. you know, the possibility, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's weird. And usually, you confront them, you kind of spook them. I mean, I've had coyote follow me hiking and stuff, but uh, it seems like if you fired off a gun, that would be enough to run it off, you know. But it never rained. Mm-hmm. It just, like, disappeared. And at at the time when this happened, how long ago was this? Uh, two thousand one. Okay. At this time, are you interested in the paranormal and stuff, or or? Um, not really. Okay, so so you may not really... have heard stories of things pacing people in the woods and stuff. No, mm-hmm. the the only thing I didn't get into like Bigfoot until mid two thousands, you know, two thousand twelve, something like that. Right. Right. Um, I had seen the movies when I was a kid. Sure, yeah. But I never really... Yeah, I didn't like... I wouldn't say believed it, but it was never a... Like a real thing. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. Ghosts, on the other hand, you can't tell me there aren't ghosts. I've seen too many, way too many things to say there's spirits, there, you know, there aren't spirits or ghosts or demons or whatever you want to call them. Right. Running around. <laughs> this house, the house I live in now is the proof of that one. The only other thing that happened when we lived at that house, it was a fall night. It was during the fall. And it was about the same. I guess it was probably the same year. So this would have been before the coyote or whatever it was that had paced me on one side, ran across the trail and circled me. I was out on the front porch one night. Like I said, we were a mile back in the woods. So you you leave the house, the grade goes up, and it winds through the woods. And it's at about a half a mile, it splits into a Y. So we had two driveways. One went out to the main road, and the other went out to a side road. And this is the only place that I could figure that these lights were coming from. So when we moved to this neighborhood, the only house that was there was ours. And they weren't spotlights. They weren't a car. They weren't, I don't know what they were. So I'm looking at the stars. There's no sound. And all of a sudden this light, comes up just above the trees and it like hovers. It doesn't move side to side. It doesn't pulsate. It doesn't change colors. It's just, I don't even think we had LEDs then. They were, I guess the brightest lights you could get back then was like what the xenon yeah. lamps. 
yeah, it was weird. It was really, really bright. It rose. I couldn't see a shape. All I could see was the light above the trees. I was like, why would they be flying helicopters that low? But like I said, there was no sound. And the light was like in a circle. Mm-hmm. Almost like, uh, you know, they have these lights under the cars. So you can see the lights under the car, yeah. but you don't see the car. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it hovered up above the trees long enough for me to call my wife. I said, come out here and look at this. And then it's, it sunk back down below the treetops and you couldn't see the light. I was like, well, that's strange. Why would, you know, what's going on? And then all of a sudden it pops back up above the trees and then it just disappears. It didn't, it didn't like shoot off. It didn't go straight up. It didn't go side to side. It just disappeared. And it was fairly big for us to be able to see it from the house. Right. Now, when you describe it like illuminating, so it wasn't like a ball of light. No, it was like a, take a Frisbee, put a light underneath that. Well, bigger than a Frisbee. We're talking, this thing was massive. Mm-hmm. So to, for me to see it from above the trees like that, it would have had to have been, oh, God, I don't know. Uh, the opening, I'll, I'll judge it by this. The opening that I think it was in was probably about 50 feet around. That's where the driveway splits into the two Ys. So that was the most clearing that we had in the trees. Mm-hmm. So you think it was about that big then? At least, yeah. I'm okay. guessing, if not bigger, because you know, as far away as it was. Now, I, and I keep trying. I keep, in my mind, I keep you know, could it be spotlights? Could it be? But when you sh- spotlights don't illuminate, they will illuminate the tree, but they won't illuminate above the tree. Yeah. Yeah, you, so you won't see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the times we were at that place we called Site 7, we saw, the only way I could describe it is like a flashlight beam, but you couldn't see like the source of the beam. Was it something like that? So, it's, you know, I don't know how to describe it. It's so hard to describe the stuff sometimes. Yeah, because there was nothing for, there, there weren't clouds for it to reflect off of. Mm-hmm. So it was shining down and out. Mm-hmm. Could you see like the source of the beam? No, you, that's that's what was so freaky. Yeah. You couldn't see anything. Okay. You couldn't hear anything. You couldn't mm-hmm. see anything. And yes. I always thought my granddad was crazy because he said he would see UFOs that look like cigars flying through the sky. And we always thought it was just because he might have had a little bit too much to drink one night. <laughs> but after I saw that, it was like, no, maybe not, you know? Yeah. And then I did see where people have seen UFOs or spaceships, whatever you want to call them, that looked like cigars. So Yeah. Was yeah. there any color to the light that you saw? It was just a bright white. It didn't have a blue tint. It was just super bright white. And was it like reflecting off the trees and stuff? Uh, n- not really. Yeah. It was, it's like just came up above the treetops. 
sat there for a little bit and then it like sunk down or disappeared. And did your wife get and to then, see it too? Yeah. That's a... I thought I was freaking out because this was during the time when like the military was doing a lot of flyovers. It was like they were doing urban training and things like that. So that's why I thought it was a helicopter at first. But there, like I said, there was no sound and it wasn't like a spotlight or mm -hmm. a, uh, there were no beacon lights, nothing like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy and I wasn't a UFO guy. <laughs> yeah. It's always, isn't it good to, when somebody else sees it too? And you can kind of compare notes. It's like, are you seeing that? Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. that was good. Cause she came right out and was like, yeah, what is that? Yeah. But like there was no shape except it looked circular like everybody else's spaceship mm -hmm. flat. Um, but you couldn't see a silhouette of anything, just the light. Mm -hmm. So it rose up above the trees, dropped back down and then rose up again. And then just, and then just disappeared. Wow. Yeah. About how long in this whole, you know, sequence of events? Uh, a few minutes. So it was probably close to a minute and a half between me seeing this thing and not being able to figure out what it was calling my wife. She came out after she came out, it dipped down. She did see it. And then it rose up again. Part of me wanted to get in the truck and drive up there and see what was going on. And then the other part of me was like, stay where you are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like I said, it just disappeared. But that was all I've had at that house. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No, I didn't have anything really else happen to me until about two, 2016. I worked at a, I'll just, a base. And it was a lot of old, old, old buildings. The first thing that happened there was I was on call for maintenance. So I came in one night. My old boss used to call him Haints. So we would always joke about the haints mm -hmm. in the building. So I came in, I passed one of the guys. He was going on a call, I thought, or he had just come back from one. So I went back to my office and was filling out some paperwork. And I heard a piece of sheet metal drop in the shop. So I yelled out the door, hey, you need a hand. Nobody answered. So I did it again. Didn't hear anything. So I walked up there. There was no sheet metal on the floor. No way for a piece of metal to drop. They were in these big four by eight racks. So I went to look in the parking lot and he had already left. He was gone. So that was my first experience there. 
So there wasn't anything on the floor. Was nothing on the floor. You just heard the sound. Yeah, yeah. It was like somebody dropping a four by eight, four by eight. We kept kept four by eight pieces of sheet metal in the shop. Mm-hmm. It was a horrific crash. I was gonna say, yeah, that's quite a racket. Yeah, yeah. So this most of the stuffs happened that year there, and I'm guessing it was because I had some pretty traumatic stuff happen to me health wise that year. That's the only thing I can pin it to. Mm-hmm. So I had locked. Uh, one day after work, I locked the door, but I had forgot something and I also forgot my key. So I went around and looked and every, nobody else was in the shop. So I went back. So it was a long haul and my office was right in the middle. It was a little short T hallway to like a little alcove office straight across from that hall was a door with a glass in it that led to the carpenter shop. And so I was messing with the door and I turned around and I saw, I didn't see a face because he, the person was looking down at something while they were walking. So I said, Oh, I'll wait for him to do his time or fill in his sheet. And then I'll get the key from him. So he was walking straight towards the door and then turned left. There was a, another office and a a shelf right there where they kept their time signing sheets. Mm -hmm. And so I waited and I probably waited close to a minute. I was like, he should have come out by now. So I walked to the door and asked him if I could use his key, but there was no one there. Mm. That was an odd one too. Yeah. Yeah. Was there anywhere else somebody could have gone? No. Yeah. The office door was shut and locked, and they wouldn't have been able to go anywhere without me seeing them. They would have had to come to me. Yeah, yeah. Do you work alone in this building a lot? No. No. Only in the evenings, you know, um, on call. Mm -hmm. You know, so we had to come in after hours. Well, except for that one. All the everything else that happened there was during the day. We were working in a, a barracks. And we were working in a laundry room doing, so it's split male, female. When you go on the female floor, you, you have to yell male on the floor. Right. So everybody knows. And then you get an all clear. Nobody was there. So we're working in the laundry room and, uh, I step out into the hall for a minute and I look at the, the hall is probably, maybe 150 feet long thereabouts at the end of the hallway, there's a big window. So I'm out in the hall and I'm looking, I turn to look down the end of the hall and I see a head hanging out of the door. So I turn back to the guy and say, Hey man, I thought this floor was clear. He said, yeah, it was supposed to be. So I yell again, walk down to the room, knock on the door maintenance you know, I do this three times. Nobody answers. So I go in the room and it's all clear. And this was middle of the day. There's nothing ever that else that happens with it. They're just, like I said, little short experiences. Yeah. You know, I don't yeah. feel anything funny. I don't feel, I don't know if I'm supposed to feel something funny, but nothing feels like it's out to hurt me. Right. 
nothing menacing. We have the old officers club. We were doing some work up there. And this place is during the day, pretty much the only people that are there are maintenance and a few staff people. So up on the balcony, at each end of the balcony, there's uh, club rooms. Well, the one they used as a storage area. So it was just extra tables, food carts, things like that. But we had to go through there to get in the attic on the far side of the building. So my guys were doing some work in the dining room below, and I had to get into the attic. So as soon as I opened the door, all I could hear were, before I could turn the light on, it sounded like somebody running away from me with like really big feet. Boom, 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 boom. Like I didn't get scared. I was just like, well, this is crazy. Somebody's hiding out. And there's no other way to get out except for the door that I was in, that I came through. Turned on the light and I started checking behind, you know, the stacks of chairs and the tables and things. Once again, no one's there. That was probably all that happened that year. And then everything else has happened. We bought a, in January of 17, we bought a a house that was, well, it's like two houses put together. The first side was early to mid 1800s. And then the second side, I'm not sure because we can't really find the, the papers for it. So it would have been later 1800s. Mm-hmm. They like joined the two together. Right, yeah. So the first week we bought the house, we were still moving things over from the other house. So my daughter and a niece and... and my two other, my younger kids were here and they were staying in her room. She said that she heard something that sounded like glass breaking downstairs. So they all got scared, grabbed a bat and ran downstairs to see what it was. Nothing was there. So that following weekend. So it's a weird front door. It has, it's still like the original door. We don't even use it. But it has, you know, the old doorbells, they were kind of like the ching, 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 ching on a bike. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we go out there and the wife's like, well, this thing doesn't work. So she had tightened up the screw on it and she pulled the lever and it went ching, ching, ching. And I don't think I've ever seen my daughter run so fast. It was just boop, 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 boop down to the bottom of the stairs. And she said, well, that was the noise. Oh. And, you know, my wife was like, well, there's no way because I just tightened up the screw. Right. And the other thing is it has a storm door that blocks it. And you can't open them because they've got push, I call them push pins, locks that keep, that are on the inside. So you can't open the doors from the outside. Right. Yeah. And even if one of the doors was open, there isn't enough room between the storm door and the wood door to get your hand in to do the doorbell. And it wouldn't have worked anyway because the screw wasn't tight. So that was the first experience for the house. That's kind of right as you're moving uh, in. 
Yeah, yeah, that, that same week. Mm-hmm. And I'm an electrician. So we move in, and it's like none of the outlets in the kitchen want to work. When we did the inspection, everything worked. So <laughs> we, we move in, and none of them are working. So I pull everything apart. I'm checking it. Couldn't find anything. Put everything back together. And we're good. We're golden. But the next day, my wife goes to make brownies. And so she's got them in the oven. And then, you know, we're doing something else in the house. And she said, well, they smell like they're burning, but they haven't been in long enough to burn. And we go in there and the oven has gone from 350, and this is the only time that this has happened, to 500. Oh, jeez. They were crisp. That's all I got to say. Yeah, and then that's, sure. when, that's when my wife was like, I don't know who you are, but you better stop it, or I'm going to tell you to get out, you know? Yeah, yeah. You don't mess with the brownies. Yeah. Plus, we that, do that have... always creeps me out. Whenever people talk about these things like turning on the burners of stoves or, or anything like that, I, that always makes me like. I'm glad it just happened once because that always makes me like, yeah. yeah what do you, you, you know? Don't do that when I'm not home, you know. Yeah, exactly. But I, you know, it's like like uh, if it happened more than once, I would probably say it was something wrong with the stove. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. But this is it. Just that one time, and then we didn't have. After my wife said that, yeah. After she threatened it, we didn't have anything else for a while. So my daughter, there was a like a Victorian turret, I guess, put on the front of the house in the early 1900s. And the upstairs is where her floor, her bedroom was. Below it was nothing. That room is still plaster, no electricity, no nothing. We're still working on that. But her bedroom was right above that. And she says that she would hear footsteps on the ceiling every night. Not like the squirrel running around in the attic but like heavy steps above her above her. Okay. So I guess within a year, uh, the wife and I were in the room. I was in the bathroom brushing my teeth and she was in bed and we got three knocks on the door. So I, I just said, come on in. I thought it was one of the kids. Mm-hmm. Nobody came in. So I said it again, come on in and nothing happened. So, uh opened the door. Nobody was there. I went to check on my son. He's dead to the world. Out like a light. Went to check on my other two daughters. Same thing. Out like a light. And when they sleep, they sleep. You know, that's they can't fake it because they're the best sleeping kids in the world. Good to have. Uh, yeah. Couldn't explain that one either. But it was definitely three knocks on the door. Hmm. I was telling my father-in-law about it, and he was asking if it was like a old Masonic Lodge. But I said, no, but the house next to me was an old Masonic Lodge and the Eastern Star Lodge. That's interesting. So I, he said because the three knocks was to symbolic to enter, you know, come in. Yeah, I seem to remember reading about that. Yeah. I'm not quite sure on the time frames. This all happened within like 17, 18, and then there wasn't really anything for a while. 
The next one was I woke up in the middle of the night because it sounded like a party going on underneath of us. And the first thing that popped in my head was, what was the show with Jack Nicholson? The Shining? Mm-hmm. So remember when he goes down and meets the guy at the bar, give me a drink. For whatever reason, it sounded like that. I don't know why that popped in my head. I hadn't seen that movie in 20 years. Right. So I thought one of my oldest had his friends over and they were downstairs doing something, being loud. Once again, as soon as I opened the door, to leave, go out of the bedroom and go downstairs, it all stopped. So whoever it was had a party going on below me, but it wasn't any of my kids. I don't know who it was. Right, yeah. Nothing. Once again, nothing scared me. Nothing felt weird. It was just, it's like things just letting me know they're there, mm-hmm. but not doing it. Yeah. I don't know if it's like, what, what, uh, what is it? Um just replaying itself. Yeah. Yeah. Residual hauntings, I guess they call it. Yeah. 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 So we were doing some remodeling. So just this, the newer side of the house is just two big rooms over top, one over top of the other. They're both the same size. So the one below our bedroom is the living room. I was putting in some, ceiling lights and we were doing some other things painting some sheetrock work my wife goes do you like the changes we've made she was standing in the doorway to the living room and when she said that she heard mm-hmm. <laughs> she said it was like a female voice that said mm-hmm. i guess that's better than hearing no <laughs> yeah yeah get out right right <laughs> I we do have this old record player that came with the house. It was from, it's an old crank one. So the records are small, but they're like twice as thick as a normal record, you know? Yeah, yeah I'm familiar with it. I said, if I ever hear that thing crank up one night, we're selling the house. <laughs> well, I was actually going to ask you, you know, if you had been doing any remodeling during all this, because, that, you know, that is a thing. They say it'll stir this stuff up when you start to remodel and stuff. Yeah, well, I got to thinking about it. You know, when I, I sent you, well, I asked about the the, the red eyes, mm-hmm. and then I had sent you that story about my son losing his badge. That's when we had started the renovation for that room that was under my daughter's room. Okay. So we were taking down all the wallpaper and the baseboard and the trim and things like that and cleaning up the plaster. That's when that started. I only read the first part of our emails before we, we got on tonight, so I remember it, but it, it he it was gone, and then it came back, right? Yeah, yeah. So he got home from work. I think it would have had to have been a Saturday night, uh, Friday night. So he got home from work Friday night. He took his badge off. He always sets it on his end table and put his clothes in the washer and um, – the next day he was getting ready for work and he couldn't find his badge. And he kept saying, it's not where I put it. It wasn't in the washing machine. It wasn't in the dryer. It wasn't in the car. It wasn't in our room. It wasn't, we couldn't find it anywhere. So he got home late that night around 10 or so o'clock. I was probably already in bed and he didn't say anything 
Sunday because I talked to him on the phone. So it would have been Monday. And he said, thanks for finding my badge. (laughs) And I said, well, I didn't find it. It was probably your mom. So you need to thank her. And so it was either that night or the next night. This was the same week. Yeah, it must have been Monday or Tuesday because I had asked, we were doing leftovers. So I asked everybody what they wanted and I was getting them ready. And my daughter had come downstairs. I asked her what she wanted. She told me. And then she had walked out. I thought she was in the living room. So I got her food ready. I said, come on, doll, it's ready. And I heard these footsteps walk up behind me. So I turned around to give her the plate. But there wasn't anybody there. And I'm looking through the door and my wife is just, she's sitting in her chair in the living room. So then I step to the door and call for it, and she comes down the stairs. So that was weird part number one for that evening. We get in there, we're, we've eaten, we're talking, and then the badge comes up. And my wife says, well, I didn't find the badge. It just ended up back on the table. And then I, I think this was the same, it was either the same night or the next night. My son comes to the top of the stairs from his room and he says, what do you guys need? And we're like, well, what are you talking about? He said, somebody has called my name three times. And, you know, what's going through our heads is, well, why did you come the first time if you thought we were (laughs) calling? But, you know, he said somebody called his name three times and he doesn't usually get things. It's like this happening. Is his name on the badge? Yes. Uh, isn't that interesting, though? Yeah. Yeah. Really weird. Yeah. It, nothing, nothing, except for my oldest daughter and myself. Nobody else, and my dad, nobody else in the family really gets any craziness like this. Mm-hmm. With the exception of the few times that my wife was with me and we've had this stuff happen. Right, right. And then that same week, my youngest daughter, who is, she's in the room that my older daughter had at the time, she says she hears the footsteps on the ceiling. There's attic above both of these rooms? Um, It's not really an attic. It's, well, it is, but it's just nothing. You can't, it's not tall enough to walk on. Okay, yeah. Somebody would have to be bent over to walk in it, but you couldn't walk on it anyway because you'd fall through. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's not like a like a normal. Yeah. No. It's floor. just. Yeah. yeah. It's just. It's just ceiling joists and sheetrock mm-hmm. and insulation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. to hear the footsteps is odd. So the town we live in now started in the 1790s. It's Cartersville. So it was just a little town of mostly churches. I think it was four or five churches here in this town. Used to be. There's only one now and a bunch of shops. So we live next to a river, and on the other side of that river was a canal that they used to go from Richmond to Lynchburg. Okay. So they would bring goods down the canal or down the river, and this was one of the stop-off points. So my daughter one night said that she heard cannon fire going off none of us heard it but no she was on the phone with her boyfriend and he heard it but we didn't so that's another odd one how do you tell the difference between cannon fire and 
You know? It was like a, well, I don't know. That's how she described it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like a car backfiring. Right, right. Or the houses are too close together to be shooting. I, I was um, literally asking for myself because uh, there are all these legends of people hearing, you know, muskets going off and cannons and stuff in Gettysburg. And I was recording there one night, it was well after midnight, and I heard something. That, I mean, it sounded, you know, louder than a shotgun. But I, I, I and I thought to myself, is that cat? Like, is that one of these ghostly cannons people talk about, or what is that? You know, and I just yeah. didn't know. I, I didn't know. You know, having not heard one, I just didn't know how, how to tell if it was or not. That's how she described it. I mean, she knows what a shotgun sounds like. She, know, we shoot all the time. Mm-hmm. But she said it was like something she had never heard before. And it was loud. A boo. Uh, you know, I've never heard it. I couldn't tell you what a cannon sounded like. So that's just how she described it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's like I said, I was just asking for my own curiosity because I didn't know what to do. You know, I heard something. I'm like, I don't think that's any gun I've heard before, but I don't know. You know? Yeah. Now, and, you know, nobody's shooting black powder out here. Like I said, the houses are way too close together. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants a, a ball coming through the their roof yeah that was shooting up (laughs) (laughs) because it was in the 1700s it was a a crossing for the military Mm -hmm. the river right there because this is the shallow part of the river i think it was called carter's ferry back in the day this was the most recent i was sitting out on the porch my nobody was home it was just me the wife had my daughter and they were coming back from course practice i think or something like that well that's what was supposed to happen i thought they had gotten home early i heard the front door slam i never saw her car pull up so i thought maybe she came around the back way i heard the front door slam and then i heard the back door the bathroom door slam which is normal so you come in Everything takes forever to get to. So you come in and you go straight to the bathroom, right? Mm-hmm. So I go in, I call for my daughter. Nobody's there. I go to the bathroom, knock on the door. Nobody's there. I go to look outside. The wife's car isn't there. Nothing else happened, <laughs> but two doors slam. Did you ask him to ring the doorbell next time? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I said, nothing you know, super crazy. They're just little things that happen. No, but it's, could... it's interesting. Yeah. I, I wonder if it's, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I wonder if it's you or the house or both or what, what the combination is, but uh, I'm glad it's not like, like you don't have any problem being there or anything. You don't get any creepy feelings or anything like that. No, no. See, I get more creepy feelings at my parents' house than I do here. Mm-hmm. Even to this day. I don't like that hallway at my parents' house. Mm-hmm. I just do not like it. Mm-hmm. It's not as bad as it was. I don't have to necessarily turn the light on. Right, right. Yeah. Run down the hall, turn the other, you know. Yeah, and the hallway's only like 20 feet long. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah. But for whatever reason, there, especially at night. And like I said, I go. I used to go camping all the time, everywhere. I even camped out in an old cemetery one time in Shenandoah National Park. I didn't get the creeps. Nothing happened. But here at the old home site, that place just, it freaks me out. Yeah. Your parents still own the same property? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My whole family still lives. My dad's side family still lives on that stretch. 
mm-hmm. it's a lot more grown up now. Can't go running through the woods like we did when I was a kid. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's just really freaky. Well, Bill, thank yeah. you, thank you so much for sharing your stories. Keep in touch and keep us updated. I will do. I have one question for you, though. Absolutely. Fire away. So back in your first podcast, when you talked about the, um, it was a toad road one, Mm -hmm. and you had talked about the the old German folklore healing. uh, Powwow stuff, yeah. Powwow, Mm -hmm. yeah. And the hexes. So I found that kind of interesting. So, all right, so my mom's side of the family background is Amish and Mennonite. Okay. So I even asked her about it and she can remember, she knew what the powwow doctor was and she knew what the hexes were, but she, they never really got into it because her mom always said it was, wasn't right. Mm -hmm. But I did find it interesting. I didn't know if you had any more on that subject or. We, I have uh, uh, more tapes that my wife's mother recorded interviews with local people about it. they you know she did these interviews in the 70s and they were all you know they was she went to a like a senior center and interviewed people so these are all people you know long gone now but the they're so the, the sound quality on on these are so rough and it's so hard to pick out and that that local uh york county accent on some of them is so hard to make out that uh i'm not sure whether i you know, if it's good enough to publish on on the podcast or not, we should. Gotcha. What we should do is we should do transcriptions of them or something, and maybe just do highlights of them, and then we can tell people, you know, what was said because some, some of them are just really, really hard to make out. Because you know, she's in a senior center; they're, I don't know, playing bridge next to her while she's talking to you know two people over here and stuff. It's just the the audio is just not as good as when we had the uh, the other interview. I don't I don't know if you heard episode one hundred was her interview with with one of the powwow doctors. That's- you know what? Maybe I didn't. I've been I've been going through all of your podcasts trying to catch up like mm. crazy. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure it was episode it, that was episode 100, right? Yeah, it was one of the bigger ones. yeah, I think it was episode 100, and that's the interview. The guy that starts off the show, the the clip that says, you know, at the, at the beginning, this is a far eyes were slight different. You'd see flames of fire coming out of our mouth. It's it's him. Oh. It's him, and and she it, she interviews him. You know, so that's the whole that's that whole episode is her interview with him. Gotcha. I'll have to go back and make sure I did listen to it. Yeah. yeah. Let's do it again. I took some banjo lessons with a uh, a Mennonite preacher from West Virginia, and he had grown up. He spent his summers up here in York County, but and he found out I was interested in powwow, and oh boy, he gave me an earful. He didn't. <laughs> he wanted nothing to do with that. Yeah. I hear. Bill, I hear. thanks so much for sharing your stories. No problem. Thanks again, Tim. I wonder how many days to the perfect bunny. 9,472. <laughs> Our bunny has been, um, I don't want to call her naughty because she's too cute, but she's in a state lately here. Doing a lot of digging, a lot of shedding, very rambunctious, tearing her enclosure up. I don't know if they can help with naughty bunnies or not, but I know if you have a puppy, you can get all the help you need. From 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy. You can find them at sithappens.us. Look for the 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy link at the top of the page. Whether it's mouthing and biting, potty training, fear and nervousness, barking, chewing on furniture, shoes, or 
anything else they shouldn't be chewing on. Crate training, hyperactivity issues, elise training, and more, 90 days to the perfect puppy can help you and your puppy become perfect for each other. They have a relationship-based approach to training. They have online sources like video lessons, a secret Facebook group. One-on-one options are available. Let 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy help you understand how your dog thinks and apply proactive training methods so once again, you and your puppy can become perfect for each other. Again, you can find them at sithappens.us. Look for the 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy link at the top of the page. Tina did offer to kind of help me train the bunny a little bit. (laughs) We have a horribly violent curiosity of the week. Mm. It's a bear attack. Stereo of you. Oh, let me see. Oh, yeah, he's got his arm, doesn't he? I don't know how they did that, but it, it seems scary regardless. The card is called Perils of the Wilderness, A Fight for Life. Yeah, I'm thinking most likely a trained bear, I'm guessing. Maybe somebody's pet, but possibly a stuffed bear. Yeah, I'm thinking stuffed bear. But it's quite the scene. It's got two woodsmen there, uh, one of them in the clutches of a bear. If you go to the show notes under this episode at strangefamiliars.com, you'll see an image of this stereo view. If you click on that, it'll take you to our Etsy shop. You can buy this and other curiosities of the week. Still have some frozen Charlotte dolls left. Uh, we've got some pain tablets. We've got a couple of the other photographic images. Some of the photos of the week in the past as well in there. And uh, probably some things I'm forgetting. In the Etsy shop, you can find prints of my artwork. You can find, I might have some originals up there. You can find all of my books, which make fantastic Christmas gifts. It's a seamless segue. If you order them from us, they come signed. And if it's definitely something you're ordering for a gift and you need priority mail or something to make sure it gets there, just send us a message. We can work that out. Of course, we have Strange Familiars t-shirts. Right now, all sizes, small through 3XL, and much more. Our Etsy shop name is Lost Grave, but if you type in Strange Familiars, our stuff should come up. While you're on Etsy, make sure to check out our friends at Karmic Garden. They have the Flannel Man scent, Strange Familiars scent and many more lovely-smelling lotions and soaps and candles and all that kind of wonderful stuff. And Chad's shop, Ruck Rabbit Outdoors, is on Etsy as well. Chad's adding a bunch of new products. He's got one-of-a-kind items like used wool jackets and shirts and refurbished hatchets and axes, and I think they've got some knives they've added and all kinds of stuff for your outdoors mini needs. It's Ruck Rabbit Outdoors for Chad's shop. You know what else would make a great gift for Christmas, Allison? Is this a trick question? <laughs> Patronage to a podcast. Oh, yeah, that is a good gift, actually. If you like what we do and you want to get extra content, we have over 80 patron shows right now. If you sign up at Patreon, patreon.com slash strangefamiliars, you will get 80 patron episodes right when you sign up and then more coming every month. When we can, we give extra content besides, like we give the download of the song for the ballad shows and so forth. We get a uh, uploaded the Alba Twitch episode of Monster Fuzz that I was a guest on for our patrons. Being our patron at Patreon is the best way to help the podcast. It helps us make more content for you. Again, it's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. There's all different tiers of support, and you can sign up for monthly billing or yearly billing. If you sign up for yearly billing, it's even cheaper because you get a discount patreon.com slash strange familiars and of course i want to thank all of our patrons for their support we are doing an ama show 
probably for everyone. We're not sure whether that's going to be a patron show or an everyone show. I think we're leaning towards putting it out there for everyone, just as kind of a end-of-the-year thing that we're doing. So if you have AMA questions for me or for Allison, you can let us know. We will be opening booking up again, basically on book through January. And we're going to change the way we schedule guests starting in February uh, without getting too in the weeds. Uh, basically, I'm looking for a way not to schedule people three months ahead of time. But we will have a list of people and we will contact them. We will contact you if you're interested. So if you have stories, spooky stories, paranormal stories, Bigfoot stories, ghost stories, UFO stories, flannel man stories, bunny man stories, we want your stories. You can email us, strangefamiliarspodcast at gmail.com. Just a note, we get a ton of email. We get an avalanche of email. It's literally impossible for me to answer everybody at this point, but we do read every message. And if you have stories, we will be in touch. I want to thank everybody for listening, and we will be back soon with more Strange Familiars. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts, music, books, art, podcasts, and more. Intro and background music is by Stone Breath. If you want to hear more or purchase music by Stone Breath or find The Witch Cloud, episode 300 of Strange Familiars, you can go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com. Strange Familiars is on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars, where you can join the Strange Familiars gathering group. We are on Instagram at strangefamiliars, one word, and you can always find us on the web at strangefamiliars.com.
out of sight And you heard the sweet walkers Chanting as they roam through the As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.